Hitting record, we can sync this up uh, whenever you say. Okay. <clears throat> so it's three, two, one, and then on go, okay? All right. Three, two, one. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. That'll, that'll <laughs> do. <laughs> Talk to anybody and they'll have a probably a good experience with Puerto Ricans, except maybe Florida because Florida is now getting like all of all of us. <laughs> They're not getting like the filtered the filtered upper class traveling Puerto Ricans. They're getting uh, everybody else. You guys aren't sending your best people right now. <laughs> basically, basically. Uh, you know uh, what? We gotta we, we we gotta address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, you and I are two Latinos. I actually was able to vote. Uh, you weren't because uh, I don't have the know. right. I don't have the right. I live on an island, second class citizen. You're what we call a territory. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're, not, you're not really like a like you don't need a visa to travel, or you don't need like a visa or like a a passport to travel here, right? No, just technically you can't just vote. my license. Um, yeah, if I move vote, to the though, states, I can vote. What? <laughs> yeah. I immediately get the right to vote if I live in the state. Okay, well, that's disgusting, and I hope you don't move here, but... I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna pick your next president as soon as I we get We took there. a big L. Our people took a big L this this week. Um, of was, course, I'm, it was rough. like, there was a... Everybody was got the, had their eyes on, like, the voting demographics, how people were gonna shake out, and... It was the race Olympics again. It, it was felt... Latinos for Trump, and we failed. We tried yeah. to bring him over the hump, and I, I just... What's, I thought the percentage, it was what's the percentage on the polls that makes you like a fail race? That makes you like a fail ethnicity? <laughs> like it, as soon as you hit twenty five, it's an L if you hit twenty five. If it's an L, you're a sellout race. If it's a yeah. L, it's an L if you don't you no longer get a seat at the cookout. That's what I'm saying. And we we really cracked it. <laughs> we I think I don't know <clears throat> because we might be preventing our guy Trump. I'm kidding. Like <clears throat> sorry. Yeah. We might be preventing our guy Trump. I might have COVID, bro. I don't know. My, my, I, I normally don't. Not this phlegmy, but I feel like I'm fucking up a bunch right now. Drink, drink um, some water. Our guy, it's okay. I've got my seltzer water right here, but I, I do feel like our guy Trump, like he almost got over the finish line with that 25, percent and now I was looking like Nevada, Arizona, all these places with Latinos are being like, not so fast. It turns out we may have a seat at the cookout after all. Saved um, by the Chicano <laughs> race. What's amazing is, again, like, we would have it easily if not for Cubans. Cubans make up at least 20%, I believe, of that fail race quotient. Um, There's, like, the the magic of uh, making it Latinos and not particular nationalities <laughs> is that you're going to get... You're going to get, uh, yeah, Mexicans, which are the real ones, the MVPs, uh, but <laughs> you're also... You're here's, also... What's, here's what's sick about, you know, I so I've been pulling my hair out for, for weeks, months, almost a full year at this point about, like, if 
you want to win. Like, because I remember the Obama coalition was almost just off the strength of the Latino vote, just won, like, the presidency overwhelmingly. So it we makes like sense them. to me that, <laughs> yeah, we like them. So it, it makes sense to me that if you are trying to, like, pick the states, win the electoral college, that you want a candidate who's going to appeal to these, like, southwestern states where there's, like, heavy Latino, uh, you know, voter population, voting population, and the youngest, most progressive base, like, uh, the most... <laughs> fuck, dude. Sorry, I'm, I'm rusty, too. I'm, like, I, if this was yesterday or two days ago, I'm fucking raging, but now I'm, like, off of, like, you know, You have to, like, channel like just... Four just... Days. Just think of, just imagine you. It's election day. If I'm just yelling, at imagine the, they're yeah. just freshly shitting on us. Uh, yeah, like they're if you if you have to just play the game, like if you're looking at like civilization, and all these people claim to be pragmatists, they all claim to be like these fucking forty chess players, but yet when they're picking their candidate, they're like, let's look at who Southern black voters. Like no, none of these voting blocks are a monolith, right? Not Latinos, Asians blacks mm -hmm. none of them but putting like the fact that biden won south carolina and they're like that's it <laughs> like throw everything behind him and i get why it's because it's about corporatists it's not about anything else right but they're yeah, like they just needed him to win guy. anything they needed anybody to beat bernie once and then it was that was the person like pete almost got it by like just lying or whatever but then once it was that then it became about like this weird identity politics of like, uh, you know. Yeah, you can't you can't disagree with uh, the South Carolina like, vote. <laughs> yeah, or you're racist, or but it's like you literally just completely shit on the Nevada vote, which was like overwhelmingly Latino, and like the day he won that, and it was the like biggest the blowout. Day, it was the biggest blowout, and the next day they were like, okay, well he said this shit about Cuba in like 1982. So, atone for that. How's he going to win the Latino vote? How's he going to win it? He already won it. If you consider the fact that, like, there's 20 million Mexican-Americans. They didn't count. I can't remember they... the amount of, of Cubans, but, like, much less. And the thing is, like, it's going to be incredibly hard to win Miami from Trump anyways. There's too many voters. Fuck voters. I'm talking about people with boats. <laughs> like, Oh, just, you're talking about voters. I'm talking about, like, literal... Voters for Trump was the movement, and... It's powerful. You know, it's, it's extremely powerful. So I, you know, to me, it's like you look at the map and you have to pick the states that you're going to win. And like we are creeping over like currently it's like Friday night and we're creeping over to where Biden's going to win. And, you know, it looks like if he gets some of these states comfortable margin, but He's it'll dragging it'll himself taken, across the finish line. It would it will have taken Stacey Abrams and her like, you know, uh, voting rights uh, work. And, like, the millions that now she's indebted to, like, Bloomberg to make that happen. And I get it, because the Democratic Party and the Democratic establishment in general, they want to be, like, the party of Mike Bloomberg, right? Like, that's, to them, the move. So, like, I get why taking Georgia and saying, like, yeah, congratulations, Stacey Abrams, you are a fucking god queen now. And, like, meanwhile, fucking, you know, she has been running around talking about how great Bloomberg is for the past year. And then they're saying, like, oh, and Cindy McCain is the one who fucking won Arizona. It's, like, it's insane Every single how much they want to make this about white women 
and like uh, black voters. When it, it's not about that. There's like building the coalition should be about like getting multiple people, different kinds of people there, and like yeah, the Latino vote has been completely ignored, and then they wonder why so many. It was so easy for Trump to pick away at him. You put out bangers like that song "Latinos for Trump." Motherfuckers are gonna vibe to it. They're gonna vote for Trump. I'm sorry. Put out a well, song. They should have had. They shouldn't have had Despacito. They should have had Despacito Joe. They should have. They should have let that motherfucker would've, cook. Would've. Despacito Joe. It would have carried him in like. Yeah, it would have like, gotten him Puerto Rican ten more votes in Trump Miami. Probably got him ten more votes in Miami for sure. But it would have. It would have carried him in the southwestern states. Everybody loves Despacito. I think the fact Mexicans that the fact that in every single demographic, uh, white, black, Latino, Asian, it didn't matter. Uh, Biden essentially targeted the most Republican of every single one of those demographics. Um, right. His main concern was literally uh, Republican Cubans in Miami. He yeah, like his whole his whole Latino outreach was just putting out these ads in Spanish that was like, "Don't worry, I'm not a socialist." And it's like, bro, nobody thinks you are. Like, except for the fact that, right, like, Donald Trump's going to go campaigning saying this motherfucker's a socialist. Again, trying like, to convince uh, the Republicans that he's not a socialist. Like, every single right. other person fucking knew. Like, you, he, in his mind, there are Latinos out there that are, like, on the fence. Like, there are Latinos on the fence that, like don't like that that believe donald trump even though they hate him enough to like vote for joe biden right yeah that who is that person like who is the person that like has faith in donald trump what he has to say everybody knows he's a fucking liar like he hates like latinos and everything but yet like you could convince them with like just um an ad in spanish like it made it made literally no sense, and like Part you had of it? Bernie Sanders Latino outreach mm-hmm. guy going around like fucking ringing fire alarms, like yo, we are not doing outreach, and then there would be articles that were like, yeah, we don't want to do outreach to Latino voters. We don't see that as our pathway to victory. Part but, of like, it that 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 people didn't understand is that Latinos are engaged in the same. A modern culture war phenomena that kind of rules a lot of uh, Republican Democrat dichotomy shit. Like, hundred percent. Yeah. Like Latinos that are for Trump are are convinced, just as much as white people that are for Trump are convinced that there's like pedophile ranks that there is. uh an attempt to be fair there are those yeah yeah but but it the are you wait hold on a second are you telling me lin-manuel miranda is it like on some weird boat or something he is definitely he's definitely been on an island that man man looks like he may have floated onto that island as a child and became like the star of like some epstein you know musical or something that's how he rose to providence that picture with chuck wendell that picture with Chuck Wendig was definitely taken on a special know. island. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, no, yeah, no, you're no, right. Like culture the culture war, war stuff, yeah. it is, it is appealing to every demographic of like every every race. Like there is a certain amount of people that can be had by just telling them Joe Biden's a pussy, Trump isn't. Yeah, and that's what they and, did. And black people can be just as convinced that. Uh, uh, 
of of homophobia of different right. things that make them think that if they think that the Democrats are actually uh, employing a secret agenda to make their kids gay, of course they're gonna be like Trump's the guy. The like yeah the difficulty in 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 understanding that and like i struggle with that shit with my family like i have family that are trump supporters and i see their facebook wall and it is pure george soros type conspiracies so you have uh, joe biden is in george soros's pocket or bernie sanders is manipulating joe joe biden and that's why he's really a communist maybe joe biden says he's not a communist but he's literally being puppeted by by the secret uh jews that are controlling everything (laughs) and latinos will believe that as well they'll believe that and also there's there's a problem with the democratic establishment and the way they've like sort of branded themselves as like this party of like intellectuals or like, just like, I get it because you know, fact, science, all that shit, a hundred percent. But the, when you tell people that you are turning off a segment of the voting base, cause I also have uh, family members that are like pro Trump and you know, you could talk to them till you're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, worker class, the working class in America has been completely co-opted by the right wing to, to like if you have a truck then it's like almost incumbent on you to say you're a Trump supporter like just like there's that mentality of you know you're like you're you- not like a you're not like a fucking office worker you know you're like you work with your hands and a lot of Latinos are people that are that do like actual like physical labor mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's that's another thing is just like the the cult like Democrats when they <clears throat> when they weaken their their like the the labor movement in the United States there's like that segment of just like you know men in America and the women that love them that are gonna vote for Trump but that's why so many I think you know Latino men specifically are easily sort of co-opted into that movement. Yeah, because with with within the Latino, this gigantic umbrella term, there's people who will think themselves white, as exactly. well. Like, yeah, I mean, like my you know my step my stepdad is always on sort of like the, I don't know if he's like full Trump or like just trolling me or whatever, but we have conversations like that, and I always feel like I could win him over, or I can at least sway him or pique his interest or whatever. With when I talk about like you know Bernie Sanders and like labor rights and like do you think that your boss deserves more money than you do does he work harder than you that's a conversation you can have with with people like that mm-hmm. where they're like of course not you know nobody thinks their boss works harder than them and um, you know especially in comics I'm always like man these editors like I like them they're my friends but they get you know they get health insurance they have salaries and I'm out here living job to job you know what i mean and yeah i could yeah. a lot of people can just relate to that dichotomy of like you always are going to assume that you work harder than whoever is making more money than you that's like right above you and the the, the whole trump phenomenon is just built on the idea of like don't worry we got a boss that's on your side like he's I- branded himself that with the apprentice and all that shit and so like it's a boss that's one of the guys you know what i mean and it's like it's bullshit but how would they not get swayed into that when 
the opposite end of it is like the boss that isn't on your side. It's yeah, the no, boss the, from the, like Office Space who's the, like coming to work, you know? Exactly. Like the mainstream Democrats are, are mostly the managers that they hate. Uh, the, right. uh, they're not even really the bosses. The bosses are Republicans. And those are the people yeah. who they want to be like most of the time. Um, but the intellectual liberal shit, like you, editors in comics will be like, yeah, Elizabeth Warren can really fix things. There is no editor or comic writer that had like a, uh, that comic, a comic writer that is also part of like the screen, the screenwriting guild or whatever. That, that didn't support Warren. Because they all like that idea of, like, she deserves to be in that spot because she's the most qualified and she's the most sort of, like, woke and sympathetic, kind-hearted, blah, 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 all that bullshit. She's the most responsible mommy. She's the most responsible mommy. And, like, I get I get that on some level, but, like, on the on a different level, like, this motherfucker said that we need ice, that, that she, you could tell, you could tell that she backed off of Medicare for all extremely fast, and when push came to shove, she showed that she's a corporatist at her heart. When she took millions and millions of dollars to like stay alive at the last like weeks of that campaign, she backed off that, of everything. Me, she backed off of everything, she, everything. But like her just saying like we're not taking any you know PAC money. And they created a super PAC, and all those people are like, yeah, but she has to do it to beat Bloomberg. And to it's beat like Bloomberg. no, she doesn't. <laughs> like no, she doesn't because Bloomberg is a joke and. She's doing it to beat Bernie. Yeah. Like, that's it. And that's, that's, that has been like a fundamental, like, class difference between editors and comic artists and shit. At least editors and comic artists I know on Twitter and shit. But a lot of, a lot of, you know, there's also just a lot of, like, guys that are very successful in comics that, you know, also went for, like, uh, fucking Biden or, you know, these other guys or, like, Pete Buttigieg because they just like the idea of, like, civility and, like, reaching across the aisle. They just want to keep making their like Punisher money and like chill out. I'm it, like, no, it, I'm never going to make really that Punisher money. To 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 think that you are a normal like for, like just from my perspective, thinking that I'm normal and sane, and seeing people's reasoning for why it like er, just early on in the primaries, being like, yeah, Kamala, she's it, she's my girl, and yeah. and 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 wonder what uh, based on what based on uh on a photo op or two that she got during like one of the hearings was it like uh one of the Mueller hearings or something where she got to act like tough well all these people all these people are just obsessed with Aaron Sorkin and shit right uh, so like yeah. whoever whoever can give them the most Aaron Sorkin-y kind of moments where it's like she got him with logic you know doesn't matter yeah. if it made any actual fucking change. Checkmate. Like, no, no, no. She she checkmated him. Even though like the game's not over, they're still like they're still winning. It's like yep. yeah, she checkmated him, but we're playing fucking football. Fucking knock him the fuck out. Eternal football. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. So like it's it, it's weird like being in comics like knowing that to for the benefit like you know people would say like you know you should unionize all the shit. It's almost impossible to unionize at this point. Like, there was a time and a place where that could have happened. And frankly, if it did happen, I probably wouldn't be in comics. Like, because there's no way I would have, like, moved to a place. Because, like, to have a union, you have to have some sort of, like, centralized workplace. Yes. Yeah. 
you have, and you have to be the way, in the same place. And I'm kind of part of the problem as well. Like, if I get hired as a Puerto Rican, <laughs> like, they'll just hire, oh, we can hire a Puerto Rican. It's fine. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And, like, you know, the, the exchange rate and everything, it works out to where you have Marvel Comics, they put out, like, they're hot young four artists that are like their their main guys or whatever or six yeah. or the Stormbreakers, formerly the, the Young Guns, the Stormfronters. And I love them. The Stormfront and all these motherfuckers are like in Italy. They have you know? they have beautiful like, healthcare. Like just they already yeah, have universal healthcare. They're fine. Artists, they can draw they're, comics. They're good. That's like a that's like a W for Marvel because I think it used to be that if you became a Young Gun, if you were. Uh, what do they call it? exclusive? Then they would have to pay you health. Yeah, care. yeah, no, that was the big and deal. Like, ooh, these are the exclusive Marvel artists who have signed a contract. These are the privileged dental these are the healthcare ones that are people. Allowed to see a doctor, yeah, if they get sick. The rest these are of the ones we're giving a nice pair care. of teeth. Yeah, um, and you know, and like you know, part of the problem is like I I know in like the seventies, my um my. One of my mentors in comics was this guy named Tony De Zuniga. He's a Filipino artist. He came over from the Philippines. He was fucking sick. He's a great artist. I he used to live in Stockton where I live, and um, part of his history is he came over. He was a sick Filipino artist, and they were like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! There are artists like in the Philippines." Oh damn! He was <laughs> the like, first one. He was the first one that really like popped he, off, and then they he then gave they brought over Neil. like. Uh, not his, this is much later, but in the seventies, every artist that inked like, uh, John Buscema was, uh, was Filipino. That was sick anyways. Like, uh, Alcala and, um, oh fuck, I'm blanking on their names. The guy who did the Lima, Rima, Jungle Girl or whatever. (laughs) Dude, I'm exhausted. Anyways, the point is, bunch of sick Filipino artists and, you know, meanwhile, his brother is like, yo, can I ink this motherfucker? And they're like, no, dude, <laughs> like, you suck. <laughs> and we'd have to pay you more than them. So, like, you know, it, like, globalization started in comics as soon as it left New York City. Yeah, and, yeah. like, pretending that you can, like, put that genie back in the bottle when there was FedEx then and now there's the internet and you can get a comic bar- book artist from literally anywhere. Uh. Like, it makes it impossible, and, like, the idea that we can start a union, it seems like a joke, but what we can do, for American comic artists anyways, is, like, build up our infrastructure, like, in our government, and, like, you know, like, get socialized healthcare and, like, all this shit that would be beneficial for us, so that we don't need to rely on companies to fucking you know, graciously, if we work our fucking Yeah, so you can actually off. survive on the rates that these companies give you. Right. No problem. Yeah, like it wouldn't be an issue if like when I got. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, it wouldn't be an issue if the government uh, had uh, a universal health care plan. If people were just taken care of, you could. It would actually help a lot of creative industries. When I got my first Marvel job, it was for a book called uh, "What If Age of Ultron" number two. My buddy Joe Keating. When I got my first one, it was, like, incredible. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, because they just found me on Tumblr, and they were like, you draw comics, you know? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, I I guess. I've, only, I've drawn one. I can they saw well those six shoes one. you drew. 
Like, no, literally, that's what it was, though. Like, they liked the, the style and stuff of it. So they asked if I could draw comics, and I was like, sure. Like, I like I, it's time to, like, either sink or swim on this. Like, I was going to community college, and I was, like, working, like, weird odd jobs in my town. And um, they offered that job, and then I remember, like, right after that, I thought that I had, like, cancer. I thought I was completely fucked, like... I felt, like, some weird shit on me, and, like, I did not feel good, and, um, I think what it ended up being was, like, gas. <laughs> like, I remember one night, I just, like, farted, like, like crazy, but <laughs> I thought, dude, the other shoe was falling, like, God isn't gonna let me be a comic artist, he's gonna be like, nah, dude, sorry, and I didn't know what I was gonna do, because I, at that point, I had, like, I think I was 20, I was, like, literally 26, so I had just got off my parents' health care. You know, I, graciously, my parents had it, so I was on it. And then yeah, that, that was right the one good thing Obama it, did, which was extend so, the health care up to 26. Yeah, and, like, as soon as I got off of it, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I mean, if I'm sick right now, and, like, again, luckily, it was just, like, a very Yeah, you just long, had a fart. You just had one fart. It was, it was one long, incredible just gas release. <laughs> like, I can't even, it didn't smell either. That was the craziest thing about it. I, was, I remember thinking, like, dude, I don't even want to sniff right now. It's going to be disgusting. But, you know, obviously I want to do that. <laughs> like, it was, it was something. It was a different kind of gas. It was... It was it was wild. And But, yeah, I, and I signed up for, like, the healthcare exchanges. And it was just, like, a labyrinthine system that I knew that if I were to actually take advantage of it and, like, go in to see a doctor, I would have been fucked. Like, because I couldn't afford it. Do you imagine you because had, you had spent a thousand dollars at a doctor's appointment for them to tell you <laughs> you need to fart? Like, you need. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the thing is that you haven't farted in a while, so it's probably just gas built up. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, what? That'll be thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> Drink some prune juice. You'll never, uh, you'll never be out of debt. <laughs> that would have been that would have been insane. Um, Dodge yeah, the bullet. no, like. Yeah, and then like, I had a wisdom tooth that I didn't get taken out when I was on my health, my mom's healthcare, and I it like just rotted to the point where it got infected in like the back of my mouth, and I didn't have dental insurance obviously, and I couldn't mm-hmm. work because I was like, it was like the pain was unbearable, and eventually my mom found me like a Mexican doctor, like a doctor who was from Mexico. Hell yeah! <laughs> like he's legit. He's like real. But yeah, yeah. he was just like, oh, yeah, no problem. That's, like, 200 bucks. I'll rip that out. No, <laughs> like, no big deal. So, like, you know, that kind of stuff, like, is just, it's what... It radicalizes People you. have to do to, it, yeah, it's what people have to do to survive. And, like, being a comic artist, you know, when I talk to people and they, you know, if I've drawn, like, Batman, X-Men, whatever the fuck... They're like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Like, oh, you know, they think this guy must have his shit together. They You're don't famous. know what the, like, the reality of the shit is, which is just like, I mean, not, I mean, some people, like, really people who don't know anything about comics would say famous, right? Like, because they, like, but then you ask them, name another comic book artist, and they're like, I don't know, you. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, there's a... Yeah, they're, like, the reality of the situation is these rates are low. They've been getting lower. Um, the image guys, you know, they struck out on their own and could you imagine what kind of strength they could have done back then if they weren't just incredible capitalists 
It's yeah, they like, just wanted to have their own they business. Had. They just wanted to be the gangsters on top. <laughs> right. And, like, you know, respect on some level. But that's why this always amazes me about, like, this whole creator-owned shit. It's, like, creator-owned isn't anything that's, like, you know... Um, it's not revolutionary in that sense. It's not yeah. revolutionary. It's about, ca- it's about like, raw capitalism for people that just want to own their shit so they can individually profit off their own shit. And, like... It's funny, it's also funny to me that I see people that are, like, other comic pros that will get on this fucking high horse about it. Uh, like, you know, I, in my opinion, it's everybody's just trying to do what the fuck they can to survive. Yeah. I don't care yeah. if you work for Image, Marvel, DC, fucking Boom, Dynamite, it doesn't fucking matter, right? All the Kickstarter all stuff, these too. Companies, like... All the Kickstarter stuff, too. And, you know, there's, like, this snobbery, though, about working for Big Two Comics, like... You know, oh no, I own my own shit, and like, yeah, it's not revolutionary. <laughs> it just makes you sound like kind of an asshole to me. Yeah, you just you just have your own product that you had enough maybe capital. Maybe you did the whole uh, crowdsourcing to get that capital to sell it, but it's still functioning exactly the same way in the marketplace. Maybe like you are making it like more direct market, but yeah. it's... Half, half these motherfuckers like. That's, that are all about that shit, too. Like, I'm sure good dudes, you know? But, like, Remender, uh, Kirkman, all these dudes that are, like, fuck corporate comics, all this bullshit. Like, how do they get their start? Writing fucking Ant-Man or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, like fucking shove it up your ass. Like, <laughs> like respectfully. But, like, it doesn't... It do, like, it doesn't make you some fucking punk rock dude just because you were able to kickstart it at, at a corporation... You know, like, it's just... And as as a comic book artist, like, people, whenever I approach them to, like, do some kind of creator-owned thing, like, that I could write and that I could own, it's like, nah, you better team up with, like, a writer. So you have these fucking writers that are operating, like, these weird fiefdoms with artists where, like, there's one writer, they get 50% of an IP, and they get 50% of, like, eight IPs, because writing isn't as hard as drawing. It's not as time... Con- <laughs> I'm just nodding over drawing. here. I'm like, you just vibe it, you just feel vibe it? into all of this. Yeah, and so they get to like fucking operate as like you know where they're getting. It's like uh, it's like parasite. They're parasites. They 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 get to be there, be the brain children. They get all the press because after the image revolution, companies were like, who can we put money behind of people that are going to bow down before us. Well, we know not the artists, because they'll fucking leave. How about these writers? They seem weak-willed. But <laughs> then why, I mean? why, is it, why is it that even in Image, now it's the writers who thrive? Like, where? why is it... I, mean, I think it's just because re- comic readers have been conditioned to thinking that comic writers are, like, the visionaries of the, the group. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just mean that like, Image... Like, when you read a story that you like... They comic book companies will interchange artists like it's no big deal, but the but the writer Marvel that's a big and DC deal, you Marvel know? and DC have done that. Marvel and DC have like conditioned everyone to yeah we're giving a writer a book and then we're switching his artists every three issues because we don't want right. you to to get used to something, uh, and and then follow that person. And I get that I from Marvel and DC companies. I think the one company the one thing companies learned was. If we have writers, they can do like eight books, and if they're the stars, we'll have eight hot books. If we have a hot artist, 
you have one. They yeah. give you one hot book, and that's yes. like just simple math, right? So yeah. that's I mean that's why that's why when you when you would look at interviews for comic art stuff, and also like honestly, there's like everybody wants everybody can imagine themselves being a comic writer. Mm-hmm. Anybody has ideas for comics that if you read comics, you're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if Batman did this? But not everybody can draw Batman doing that. And even so, like, even twenty percent of the artists like their their one big break is to finally get to write a book that somebody else can draw. Like that's that's what right. that's what really like gets them out of the cage. Yeah, and like you know, we're talking about this pretty openly, pretty honestly, and like I I really want to stress that I don't have any like real harsh judgment towards any of this shit. I love it's just all the reality the of the situation in comics. I, I love, love everybody, all. bro. I'm just trying to vibe out. I'm just trying to hang out. Like, yeah, I'll, I I could think this about you. I could think you're a worm or a rat or whatever, and we could still be friends. My writer, <laughs> I love him. Love him all the time. I don't have any. Who's this? Oh, you you just mean in general? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think about Seth. I was like, what? No, Seth is great. <laughs> Seth is great. No, He's I, a beautiful man. Like in terms I of actually, writer I was boyfriends. To work with, did, did Seth tell you I was supposed to work with him? Um, he mentioned like, like y'all had like a project. You did like a cover for one of his books, right? Yeah, yeah, for his like novel. Sorry, you know our buddy Seth Jacob is a cool. Seth dude. Jacob, and writer for Holy West, Astrobiology. Holy West. I'm, I'm throwing in the plugs. Um, yeah, big shout out to Seth. He's he's the homie. But we did a book and like I did halfway through it, and then Marvel was like, "You want to work for us?" And I was like, uh, "Sorry, Seth." I, I he he told me I, a little bit of that story, and I was like, "Damn, damn." I kind of I kind of I kind of screwed Man. him, but like, what, what, like I, I had always intended, and I still like look at those pictures. Like, These are fucking crazy. Like, and there's so much work on them, but. but at- yeah, no, I, I was like, ah, oh, man, I feel really bad for you. But I completely 100% understand that that it's, decision. So I can have my sympathies. Like, I have My sympathies lie with Seth. And I was like, that motherfucker, that Ramon, I'm never going to talk to him. Like, this was before <laughs> we knew each other. I was like, this is before, we, knew each other, before we did a podcast. piece of shit. Um, no, but I, I've always I've always supported Seth. I've always, like, appreciated him for, like, you know, taking that chance and, like, getting kind of bit in the ass about it. And, like, if he ever needs a favor or anything, I'm always like, yeah, like, let me know. <laughs> you know? He's, I, I he's going to hear big, this. But, he's going to hit you. You know, up. he's going to hear me. He's that gonna favor, hear me. He's gonna you just up. put it out in the air, out in the open. Seth, now you he know. He knows. Seth, Seth knows because of, I, he, Seth knows I feel bad about that. Anybody Seth, would. There's Anybody no way would. he does it. But, like, the opp- it was the opportunity to have a career or a book. Literally, Marvel was at the door. Uh, I I complete. I would bail on Holy West right now. No, I'm joking, Seth. No, no, I I I'm doing that book. But if Marvel yeah, yeah, hits hits me up, I Seth, would listen. find some way to do both. Not all Latinos are like this, Seth. You've been hurt once, though. You don't have to We're get making it. Seth racist right now. Seth is, Seth is being radicalized. He's Seth just voted for Trump. <laughs> Just because of us, like the the posting about Latinos. Yeah. No, actually, uh, no joke. uh, Seth, when I whenever we talk, we talk pretty often. He's actually pretty a pretty radical dude when it comes to like left stuff. He's Uh, he's a class trader for sure. He's definitely a class trader. I get to talk. I get to talk dirty (laughs) about uh, the biz, and he gets it. He gets it. Yeah. 
I love Clash Trader. He's definitely right? an art, so art ally. Them. He is. There's no effect that he didn't really hold it against me after I bailed on him. You know, you know how allies talk where they're like, yes, whatever you say, you can say whatever. And they're like, yes, you're completely right. That kind of like allyship. <laughs> that's and you, that's That can be said sometimes. And I'll be like, yeah, it's just these motherfucking writers. And he's like, yeah, we suck. I'm sorry, man. You got to appreciate an ally that, like that. Um, I really, I literally do. I have to. It's it's a little bit like Aubrey. Aubrey has that ally ally mentality. Aubrey absolutely like, does it. He whips Aubrey himself. Aubrey and I butt heads though. <laughs> it's like, you know. And by the way, you know, re uh, donate to Seth on his Kickstarter thing. I know Holy West is yeah. Done. Holy West is done. His next Kickstarter Failed. hit him up. Next one and Beef Bros right now for Aubrey Citizen. Beef for Bros sure. Kickstarter. The Look it leftist up. radical comic or whatever the fuck I don't know what the the leftist is comics we need right now. Is that what he says? Ah, uh, it sounds. It, it, it's what I feel it in my heart like when I oh, okay. when I think of Beef Bros. Anyways, enough about these fucking writers, yeah, dude. Yeah, we've given enough them about enough these time. editors. Enough about these artists. I'm glad we just got some comics talking. Because I yeah. was getting real worried because we were talking. Yeah, we're really it was. It, it's turning into Chapo Junior for a sec. Uh, we, we d- it was turning a little bit like we thought we were those guys, but we're not those yeah. guys. Yeah. Let me talk shit about comics, and now I'm now I'm in my zone again. We're centered. We're centered. <laughs> yeah, that piece. To, to, um, to the editor, if you want to chop like 20, 20 minutes of the political stuff. <laughs> so I'm the editor right now on this one. All right, all right. Well, now you um, know. My... My my current situation is really good. Like my I'm doing a book for Bad Idea Comics. Can't really say anything more about it, but I mean, I pressed I pressed the button a couple friendly. times. Did you press the button? That's all tight. Once or twice. But yeah, I'm doing like a fantasy comic right now. And when I when I went there, he was like straight up, "This is uh, this is not creator owned. There are companies that do that. That's not what this is. This is purely work for hire." And I'm like, "That's great." Cause I, I am a worker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have not, I have not somebody who has like an intrinsic need to like own anything. Yeah. You just want to so, get like, paid properly for your work. I just want to get paid properly for my work. And I would rather do that, do it really well, be appreciated than continuing to like chase this fucking idea of like what is and what is it like this fucking, you know, the, the most appropriate, the best way to do this shit. Like, and that's what a lot of people I think like, especially they get caught up with this like creator own shit because you know i get it like a lot of the industry is going towards like just selling your shit off to other to other media companies and stuff yeah but you gotta have that ip i just want to make i want to make comics and so i'm fucking doing it i'm doing it as like I bet as best as i've ever done it and every I'm single page i've seen better. is sick thanks man i'm getting paid better than i've ever gotten paid to do it so like i'm in like a really good position i really feel like you know I'm, I'm, like, extremely, like, blessed to be in the situation I've been in, which is, like, great, because every situation before this, like, you know, I loved my editors, ironically, because I was talking a lot of shit, but I've never had a bad relationship with any of my editors, from my side anyways. Maybe some of them are mad at me, but the writers, I've had some issues. Uh, they're well documented. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, one of them was a rapist, the other one, it turns out, was, like... <laughs> Uh, crazy fucking uh, 
like groomer or whatever, and a whole like a whole blue beard, a psychopath, a complete blue beard, and like I dodged a bullet with that. But you know, can so you I, say who like, your who your who your writer is for this bad idea book or no? <laughs> no, I can't. All right, but at least it's I a can't. good it's a good situation. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a good dude, um, and they kind of like the way I work. The way I like to work is I don't like to talk to writers if I don't have to, just because of, like, I, like, I don't know about you, but when I approach comics, like, people say it's like a collaboration or whatever. To me, it's not really a collaboration. Like, you give me the script, great, this is my script now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is what I'm supposed to draw, this is what I'm getting paid to draw, but I'm, I want to tell the story the best way that I know how, and I'll, I'll look at you, I'll be pretty faithful to your thing, but I don't want, like, anybody, like, directing my shots I don't want anybody telling me like yeah. I think that's the or, that's the role of the I, editor. Like, if you actually want a good editor, yeah. his job is to talk to the writer. Yeah, and the artist, and like be that middle guy. But I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not overly interested in like working with a writer that is like giving me notes. And that's my situation now. It's like nobody gives me notes on anything. And like you know, it's very rare that people did before because I'm just so fucking good and slow. <laughs> that by the time I'm done, they're just like, yo, whatever's fine. <laughs> but um, it's like, I, I, I like to think about it as like, once it's mine, it's mine. And it's my vision that matters the most. And then I expect the colorist to do the same thing. And I think that's, but that's the beauty of comics specifically. That yeah. you're not working with a production staff. You right. are the like what you're putting down on the page is is your vision. Yeah, like when you watch a movie, there's a screenwriter, you know, and then there's a director, director of photography, you know, sound person, fucking grip, uh, wardrobe the person, best actors. Grip. There's all this shit, and all that shit is what I do. Yeah, and what the writer does is the same in any medium. And if I wanted to do anything else, I would maybe do something else. But I want to be able to be like a fucking god. And so that's what I am. This is the the pure comic book artist mentality. Like, I, Just I 100% ego, agree. Pure, yeah. I agree to the extent that I, I want to muscle the colorist out of the job. I want to muscle the letterer out <laughs> of the job. I, I want full control over what's on the page. And yeah. I... Anytime I'm colored, uh, I I cringe. I, I I have to like grit my teeth and, and yeah. let them do their job. If there if there's like an obvious error in the color, like they painted blood, I don't know, green. I I will like make a note, but I get that that's their thing. I would just rather do it myself. Yeah, I'm sort of of the opinion that like. <clears throat> Like, I, I work with uh, Tamara Bonville, who's, like, fucking sick. And I when I met her, I remember thinking, like, I saw her working, and I was like, holy shit, she's fucking incredible at this. So I was like, you know, I, when when it came time where I could pick somebody to work with, I was like, I need to work with, with Tamara, because she's, like, fucking amazing. And, like, I can give her ideas for color choices and palette ideas and stuff, and she'll... Do it, and she'll do it better than what I would do with it, because she's just technically really good at coloring, like a like on a like actual like her abilities to color, like they're great, and also like technically like how to use a computer. Like I'm f pretty illiterate, 
and she's like you know knows how to do that stuff so like you know she's she's just like awesome and yeah, I so think that's a dream situation like, like having somebody that you can yeah. uh grow with or partner with in 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 the in the craft i think it's because uh i grew up in puerto rico and i kind of was forced to be a jack of all trades like the fact is if right. i if if they let me write my own comics i'd write them too but right because of um not really having that many people around me that knew this much of the craft i was like okay i can pretty much do this and do this and do that but i would love to have a uh, somebody uh, in that vein, like somebody that you, for yeah. example, you trust Tamra with your pages. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't have something like that. <laughs> right. When you meet that person though, that's when it's like, yeah, I'll propose to just be like, yeah. Um, and we're good friends. Like we, she'll be on the show for sure. We've already, I've already talked to her about, cause uh, we'll get into it in a second, but I've already talked to her about an episode that I want her to be on for the show. So I'm excited to like chat with her, especially right now. She's fired up. Yeah, but, um, I I would love to talk colors. <laughs> I, 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 we're not gonna talk about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're talk about some other shit. Okay. But um, what, what I was gonna say was uh, oh, fuck, I lost it. But uh, your coloring partnership. Uh, partnership. Uh, Tamra. It's just a. Uh, yeah. Well, let, I want to transition awkwardly mm-hmm. to the to. Just kind of like talk about what this podcast is going to be, because like, what's what's the podcast name? Have we said the right, podcast name? We haven't name? said it yet. No, and I hit you up because I was like, Dan, do you want to do a podcast? You were like, absolutely. I would. I've been dreaming of this moment to be asked to do a podcast. And that was <laughs> and that was after after you had hit Dan up with exactly the same line. Different Dan. Dan different McDade, Dan. He said the same thing, and he didn't want to do it. And I was like, that's fine. But my honestly, I just wanted Dan because I love that accent of his. Yeah, no, I. I thought, no, everyone's gonna take me so much more serious, and they're I, gonna love like being talked down to by a British guy or a Scottish guy, whatever the fuck he is. I feel like he would have been really appropriate for this episode if we if we ever do get to talk about uh, our our Scottish gods. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, our so our podcast name is Mex Flintalo, and that's something you brought to me. I thought, I what did. a great i I wanted to call it something else, and you said, "I asked you what's your favorite comic," and you said Flex Mentalo, and then you said, "Like, what about Mex Flintalo?" And I was like, "Whoa, what a great name!" It, and then you started saying, "What about something else?" Like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, we're done. We got the name immediately." Recommended. It was like my first suggestion. I said it as a joke. I but and it's it. that's it. I already got the domain name. I already got the you, Gmail. You already set up the Patreon and everything on it. Damn, the Patreon set up. It's, <laughs> it's like it's we're already good to go. in the Library of I've Congress. I've actually done none of those things. It, it's in an envelope. But, did did they ever like tell you that that's how you did copyrights? You had to like put something in an envelope and send it to the send library. It to yeah, some shit like that, or send it to the Library of Congress. And that's how you knew it was... I think as long as it's sent to yourself, if you ever get sued, you just bring that it's postmarked, and then you open it up. Yeah. Well, you did that with Max Flintalo already yesterday. All those things. <laughs> yeah, I said it to myself, yeah. And, like, um, 
I feel like you maybe thought, well, you're not Mexican, but I That's am. That's true. I'm stealing so, like, valor here. With if they tell me, if they say Daniel Rosari of Mex Flintalo, what are they gonna think? All the great Mexicans have been played by Puerto Ricans in movies, and this all is, the great Puerto Ricans have played Mexicans in movies. This is also so, like, true. Yeah. Yeah, we had Luigi in the Mario Brothers, a Mexican person played by John Leguizamo, a Puerto Rican man. Is Luigi Mexican? Like, in the movie, is he Mexican? Well, he's Mexican in the game. Luigi is Mexican in the game? Yeah, Mario's Mexican in the game, too. The Mario Brothers. The, <laughs> they're they're Mexican. You... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, that's how I'm, I would... I'm not arguing with this. I'm, yeah. I've never met any... I've never met any Italian plumbers. I've met a lot of Mexican plumbers. That's actually never... true. I look at Mario, yeah. and I'm like, Mario. I pronounce it Mario. Yeah, I call it Mario, too. It's, um, yeah, no, uh, my favorite uh, Valor stealer is J-Lo. Uh, she, she really uh, uh, honored Selena, and it, and that's I'm the J-Lo. In a beautiful way. Yeah. You're the J-Lo, you're the Leguizamo. Yeah. And I'm the Edward James Almost. Yes. Yeah. Stand and deliver. 100%. <laughs> um, well, what the, oh, I remembered what I wanted to go before that, which was, I just want to talk about, like, ourselves, how we grew up, how we sort of, like, what brought us to where we're at. Because I feel like, you know, I don't know that much about you and your, like, upbringing. You mentioned that, like, your your upbringing is, like, a Puerto Rican. You just felt like you had to do everything. And I super relate to that because just growing up Mexican, you know, my, my dad was just, like, a handyman. Um and he would just take jobs that he didn't know how to do like uh and he would you know hire me for jobs that i didn't know how to do and he, his mentality was figure it out <laughs> like you'll learn he would he he worked for like this guy who like owned a state he was like a lawyer for the mexican nightclub my dad was the head bouncer at and he had like done something for the owner and then i guess the lawyer was like oh that looks great who did that it's like oh this you know bartender this uh bouncer that i that i i uh is my head bouncer. So he started doing stuff there and they were like, Oh, you know, can you put on a sprinkler system? That's like a very complex thing. I, I would imagine He's like, yeah, I got it. And then he just like did it. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's kind of what I do with art a lot of times, which is like when I got hired to do comics, I didn't really know how to do them, but they like, do you want to do like a, a fucking Marvel book? I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, do you want to color it? Yeah, sure. No problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Every step of the way, I've always just been like, yeah, I can do it and then figure it out. Because it's like, there's something about like the resourcefulness of like my upbringing, which is like, we don't have a lot. You just fucking make do. Um, that's why like I love that movie Parasite. Did you ever see that one? I uh, love it. Yeah, it's a, yeah. An, a that amazing that scene film. where they. I mean that that's that shit where they just like go into these rich people's houses and like, you know, like yeah, they just agree such, to the like, jobs. Any it job. just seems like if you made that in America, you would have to have that with, like, Latin American families doing that. You know what I mean? Like, because who hires, na- like, nannies, gardeners, yeah. all these things. Like, and I've I've only ever done that that one time where I remember just walking into, like, a white person's house that was, like, a richer white person. Not even, like, super rich. Like, he was a lawyer, but he wasn't, like, you know, a millionaire or anything. It's being like, this is a different fucking lifestyle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love to see the uh, American adaptation of Parasite where they full-on make the Mexicans like villains. 
It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like a horror movie to the to, were... to poor rich white people or something. The yeah. Have you ever read a book called Tortilla Curtain? No. Uh, it's a book that I read in my community college class. That's the that's the only education I ever had. This is why this is not like Chapo Trap House. Those motherfuckers seem like very smart. Like they've read books. Yeah, we no, they they cite they cite paragraphs of things I barely know. Is, I've barely read. I've read two books. Functionally illiterate, but I love comic books because there's pictures. <laughs> it's the it's. But we're not counting comic I, books. Like just books, too. Just yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I I was in community college, and I took an English class, and they were telling me, they told me I had to read this book by T.C. Boyle called Tortilla Curtain, and the book is where this white family, like, upper middle class white family in, like, the valley of L.A., they hit a Mexican dude, like the, the husband does, and then he pays them, like, 20 bucks, and then the guy, like, it shows how their lives are different, different and, like, tries to present them as, like, equally miserable. But the Mexican guy's life is completely, like, a nightmare. Like, a completely, like, fucked up situation. And the rich white family, it's like, you know, their kid isn't listening to them. And, like, they can't find their dog or something. It's, you just, know it's I mean? the same. It's like, the same. On, on one hand, it's like the Mexican family are, like, living in a tent in the woods. And, like, you know, they can't afford to feed their fucking kid, like, who's a baby, and truly the grass the is other greener hand, on the other side <laughs> yeah but they're soulful yeah yeah and the rich family just I, I wants remember, to have that i remember like at the end of it there's like this big uh there's some like situation that happens where like something floods or something i don't remember the the whole thing this is like 10 years ago or something but uh, some shit happens and i was in class and they were like who who uh wh- how would you end the story and i'm thinking like the Mexican guy should just kill these motherfuckers. Like, they have ruined his life. <laughs> they have completely just been fucking pieces of shit to him. And I remember, like, I raised, you know, I, I didn't raise my hand because I didn't want to fucking talk to the teacher. But everybody else in class were just, like, started going, like, oh, it would be cute if they, like, built a little house in the back. <laughs> so that they could, like, the one guy could be his gardener, then they could be the nanny, and they could, like, have this weird relationship where... Like, they are, like, service. I'm like, you're talking about slavery? Yeah, that, that's literally <laughs> like, that's, having a doghouse. You literally created slaves right now. And, like, because the idea that you can give people, like, 20 bucks and that's enough for them to, like, you know, pick their bones back together and, like, you know, grow calluses and, like, work for everything they own, that that is, like, you know... Uh, you were writing that that Parasite is, for your school. Like, that is, like back then, you were proposing like, parasite. Fucking murder them. Like, I, yeah, I don't want to say that they plagiarized me. I don't want to say that. Like, I did. I I'm, do not want to say. I am accusing. That stole my whole shit. Bong Jung Ho, if that's his name. <laughs> oh shit! That guy. Yeah, right I'm here, not saying that because I don't right know now. his name. But that is basically the story of our parasite. legal team is coming from you. <laughs> You're gonna get a lawyer from the Mex Lentalo yeah. offices. I'm gonna need residuals and an Oscar. The no, but that's a, that's an incredible movie. And the whole time I'm watching it, it was like just getting flashbacks of growing up in. I don't know about you, because I don't know what like it's like over there. But growing up here is, you know, I grew up in the Central Valley of California, and it's like what you read about in like Grapes of Wrath and shit. Like it's this was, this is the agricultural like fucking 
you know, they call it like the breadbasket of America or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. Like all like we grow everything out here because the soil is so good and um the Mexicans are so exploited. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Gr- growing up, I lived in a Mexican town called, you know, Tracy and classic Mexican name. Tracy. Yeah, or well, like, you know, it's it's a town called Tracy and there's a bunch of like that's where all the Mexican immigrants settled when they when they got here, right? Like mm-hmm. they were working the fields and that was like Southside Tracy. It's like all the cholos and all that shit. That's like that's what I grew up around and like I didn't know what white people or black people or Asian people were until I was like, I don't know, like the third grade. I didn't I like lived that long until I saw like a non-Mexican face. And I don't speak Spanish, by the way. <laughs> It, so, it like, was entirely Mexican American, but it was purely Mexican culture. It was purely Mexican culture, and my grandpa actually didn't want me to speak Spanish because he didn't, or like a lo- bunch of them didn't want me to have an accent. And like you know, thanks a lot. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate that. I got um, I got family living in the states, and I and I wish they could uh, like nephews growing up and i wish they could still speak spanish but that's that opportunity is definitely gone um my (laughs) well my well my grandpa was dying my grandpa ramon villalobos my you know my namesake i really wish i did speak spanish because he forgot english oh (laughs) so it was real it was really awkward it was really awkward that i'd be with him in the hospital and just kind of like you know smiling at him "Eh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and so you know it was rough but like yeah but that's part of like what imperialism and all that shit does to cultures though yeah i mean even spanish is a colonial language but it's just closer to home for for us um anyways that's my background a little bit about me i would love to know more about puerto rico and like what you kind of it's a like i i have a little bit of a wild story it's not I guess in Puerto Rico, I, I would be considered like, or I grew up, quote unquote, middle class. Um, okay. But so my dad, he's a doctor. Uh, oh, wow. And. Oh, my. Whoa. whoa. So, yes. My dad, my dad was an actual, my dad was a bouncer. So we had different upbringing. Slightly different. No, but the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, uh, we. Uh, when I was when I was around five, uh, he accepted uh, a job working at a Native American reservation in South Dakota. Holy shit! So he was one of these uh, Puerto Rican doctors working in a small town in South Dakota, and we were like the only Puerto Rican family in 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 that town. And so, first to fourth grade, uh, I was like. The good, the blessing is that I'm white passing. Um, I'm mm-hmm. pretty much a, a, the whitest person uh, uh, around uh, in, in terms of skin color. Everyone around me reminds me anytime they see me. They're like, "Damn, you're white! Wow, have you seen? <laughs> have you been out? Have you seen the sun?" Um, so I kind of got by incognito mode. And uh, South Dakota was very formative, though. Like, we were uh, 
the Puerto Rican family. My dad is religious, so we were at the church. We got a heavy dose of that American uh, Protestantism. Um, But a lot of my friends were like native kids. And I would yeah. I would hang out mostly with them. And once I was all settled in and I felt myself like a, another citizen South Dakota kid, my dad's like, well, we're going back. And so we head back <clears throat> to Puerto Rico to like the most countryest out in the middle of nowhere town. Um, mm. And And your dad didn't feel like, Oh, maybe we should stay here. Like, nope. He was like, he did. He really want to go back to Puerto Rico or what? Uh, it, it was that my this was end of the nineties. This was end of the nineties. Uh, he okay. was like, my mom, she's sick. My grandma, uh, she's right. sick. We, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be over here if she dies. Um, spoiler alert: she just died. Like she, it was literally like 30 years late. It, it, it took her 22 <laughs> years to actually die. He could have, we could have stayed a couple more years. Um, but so we moved into, uh, a really tiny house. Uh, he kind of started a, a practice in the small town. So even though he's like a doctor, um, I guess I've always known, small house small town life i don't know if you can hear my cat meowing um oh yeah a little bit it's, it's cool he's he's a little What's bit vocal name? his name's lex uh lexington okay, lex. named after my my favorite gargoyle um who's that lexington oh okay he's the like the small yellow one <laughs> it what like a like a statue like a like gargoyles disney's gargoyles oh like the fucking show oh yeah. my bad yeah I never watched that. I never watched it's, that show. It's not bad. You you should give it a chance. It felt. Yeah, I don't think I will. It felt like adult when I was a kid. Um, I never felt boring when I was a kid, but yeah, yeah. It had uh, it had as a Jonathan Frakes in it, uh, Riker from from Star okay. Trek. He was he had sexy man. You ever watched the Mighty Duck show? That was a sick show. That was a sick show. I had like yeah. two of the action figures. Uh, yeah, I had a couple of them too. They were fucking tight. And it, it reminds me of the same thing, except for one of them has hockey playing ducks, and that to me was that was the wave. But anyways, yeah. So, so I I don't mean to take you off moved, track of the story about your grandmother. And no, no. But throughout throughout all this time, I was uh, basically like I I'm the youngest of my family. I'm the youngest brother. Mm. So I had all of my. My my older brother, he was big into comics, so I was ingesting comics from a really early age. I was drawing my mm. own comics from really early. Um, That's sick. They were all, like, terrible, which is actually, like, if we ever do at some point talk about Flex Mentalo, like, some of my favorite oh, parts no. are, like, the Frank quietly doing, like... Chi- child comics on paper like uh, yeah. how how a kid imagines uh comic books that resonates heavily with what my childhood was i would buy these laboratory notebooks um that were just blank like no lines no nothing so they were literally perfect for for drawing and yeah. i i 
have been making comic books in them from since I was like in like seventh grade up until I started actually like working on the computer. Like it's been nonstop comics. Um, yeah. When I when I was in high school, I was. Oh yeah, no, it's it's just I I I I was super into like Wizard Magazine culture. Um and even though even though I didn't know how like limited finances were, like my fantasy was like Hubert School. Um, (laughs) because they they sell that shit to you, like they're like, yeah, like this is the this is the way to if you want to draw comics, the Hubert School. They show you that, like I don't know if it was Tarzan, like that classic Hubert drawing. Um, yeah, classic. And. And so, come like coming out of high school, I, I told I tell my dad like, Dad, I I, I want to go to Cuber school, and he just laughed in my face. Like that was definitely not gonna <laughs> happen. I'm going to a local university, and that was the end of that. Yeah. So so it's funny that you know because again like it's just it's such a different like lifestyle to what I grew up with, but like I feel a lot of like what you're saying like 100 percent because like so when I was younger. I, I wanted to read comics so bad. I remember my first memory was going to my uncle. And maybe my uncle's like fucking five years older than me because my grandpa, you know. <laughs> I'm just going to have kids. Me as an uncle, uh, I'm five years older than my niece, my my oldest niece. I have I have uncles that are – I have an uncle that's younger than me and an aunt that's younger than me. But, so, but you know, like an uncle that was more like a cousin, right? Mm-hmm. But he was like super like radical fucking like 90s dude. Like did everything, did karate, fucking played hockey. The, coo- the coolest person you did, imagined. The coolest per like played video games. Fucking did everything, you know. And so like, he was like sort of indulged with like everything. It felt like right. Like he had like comic books, and I remember the first memory of like comic books. I went to. I loved the cartoon, like, the X-Men, mm-hmm. and I remember I went to his place, and on his, like, desk, he had uh, a image of, like, Wolverine fighting Carnage, and I, it's just, Damn. like, it was the sickest shit I had ever seen, like, Carnage's hand was going into an axe, and it was, like, I was so fucking hyped, and I was like, oh my god, like, you drew this? Because I remember it looked like a drawing, it didn't look like something that was printed, but I don't know, like, what it was, right? It could have just been Wizard Magazine or something, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm like, holy, like, can you teach me how to draw this? You know, I'm like fucking four. He's like, no, I'm not going to teach you how to draw that. Like, come on, let's go fucking watch Beavis and Butthead or something. (laughs) So, like, I remember just going home from his house and being like, I got to draw Wolverine. Like, I got to draw, like, that's all I want to do, right? Like, so I just kind of figured it out slowly over time. And I grew up. Uh, like, my dad, like I said, was a bouncer. My mom was just, like, a single mom. Like, she worked at a deli, and my dad wasn't really in the picture. He would constantly just, like, leave. Like, they got divorced when I was really younger. Uh, and she didn't have money to, like, take me to the comic shop or, like, do anything like that. And she would... I remember she told me, like, uh, once. Like, she would take me to the comic shop. Like, she'd buy me a comic. Like, I could buy one. So I bought, like, an X-Men one. Took it home. Fucking shredded it. Like, you know, got completely fucked because I yeah, was like a burnt child. it out. Yeah, like, I don't know what, like, it probably got ripped, lost, everything. And I, I remember I asked if I could go again. She was like, what happened to that comic I gave you? 
I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> like we don't, I knew like I was very aware that we didn't have the money or like she didn't have the time. Yeah, you can just be burning that. through them. But I, I would go to school and on the back of the papers that we would get in like kindergarten and shit, I would just draw like, I would just retell the stories of like the X Men cartoons. Like I remember, like just going like, and then Beast was in jail, but they didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Magneto was there and like just trying to like you know figure out what the fuck this story was panel and to panel literally just, like you would draw a panel and then you had to figure out what the what the how it yeah, would it continue was, in the next panel <laughs> I remember my aunt was super fucking blown away because I was like how do I spell Magneto and she was like what <laughs> <laughs> and I was like is it like this and she's like yeah that's ten dollar word yeah I was like, I, I gotta know, because I, I need Beast to say, like, I don't listen to you, Magneto, or whatever the fuck, you know? And uh, so, like, it wasn't until I was in, like, high school, but I love to draw. Like, my whole, like, I was always really shy and shit. So I just love to, like, fucking draw. And I would go to my grandmother's house, and she worked at the Heinz factory in Tracy. My whole family did, until they closed it down. And she would give me just, like, reams of paper that had, like, you know, Heinz, like, fucking number like you know inventory shit on the back of it mm-hmm. so i was constantly just drawing like different shit on the back of these like heinz papers and that was like you know i would go nuts every time she would give me one she would give me like really glossy paper i couldn't draw on unless i had like pens you like, just you know, dent like, it point pens and, yeah yeah and it was like you know it was sick and then i remember just like seeing the slow degradation of like that town but my family also when the Heinz factory left and took all those jobs and it like, it really left an imprint on me, I think as a kid. Um, but we moved and, um, mainly because like there was just too much drama with my, my dad's family and my mom, I think when we moved to Manteca is like the town next over. It was not the, like I was saying, like I grew up in like a Mexican part of a like town. Mm -hmm. It was not that. Suddenly, it was like... You discovered, you discovered the in, other races. I was in the middle of, like, the country. I was the most Mexican kid these people have ever seen. And at my other school, I was, like, the whitest kid because I didn't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't, you know... I, I didn't know, you know, how to speak Spanish, so I would have to go to, like, the white kid class at my old school. And this, every kid was the white kid class, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then when I found out there was a library and I could, like, just ride my bike with my friends... Like, it was over. Like, I was at the library constantly. I would check out, like, fucking 20 books at a time and just read everything. Um, that was when I was in high school. And then before that, me and my friends would just, like, kind of go around and, like, you know, we would we would go into, we'd get into different things. Like, we would just ride our bikes around town. And one day we saw this guy who had a, co- like, I would always go to the comic shop with my friends. They'd buy, like, Pokemon cards or something like that. And I would get, like, one comic. Like, the Wizard magazine from, like, a dollar grab bag thing. I just buy, like, a random issue of Wizard from, like, 1998. And I was, like, again, obsessive. Yeah, Wizard Wizard was, like, the, the comics methadone. Like, if you couldn't find yeah. comic actual comic books, which is what was my situation, basically, like, throughout uh, high school. Like, I, I would uh, maybe find, like, a Shonen Jump in a supermarket. Yeah. But more more likely, you would find a wizard magazine, and that would right. give you, like, it was so juicy. Yeah, like because you were just learning every like yeah. They would always do those like self referential kind of jokes where it's like, 
oh, you get it? It's like, you know, in the end of Watchmen. I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know? I don't but get you what would, Watchmen you would is. But you would laugh and pretend I, you knew. It's like, yeah, yeah Rorschach. Yeah, like totally. It's 100% like that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, They'd have artist so tips. Art, the artist They'd tips. Greg I, like, I got rid of all those magazines. I got rid of all those magazines, but I kept like all the. I just cut out all those artist tips because they're so fucking crucial. Yes. Yeah. They like they had like uh, Mike Mignola showing like blocking, like how to how to make shapes, composition. Yeah. Um, I, I for me it was that, and the, what really blew my mind, of course, is the how to draw comics the Marvel way. Yeah. My grandma found it at a yard sale, and just was like. Hey, I had this like how to draw book, and I was like, "Oh, here we go, another how to draw." Like when I was growing up, I don't know if they have. Oh, I guess you were in South Dakota, so you probably knew. But they have like you know, there's they have those fucking how to draw books where it's like how to draw the Simpsons. It's like circle, circle, and then there it is. You know, mm-hmm. nothing about the construction, nothing about like actually how to draw. But this book, like she gave it to me. I'm like, all right, well, I'll look through it. There's some cool f- pictures in it. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like I actually read it, and I was like, this is crazy. Like this is actually how you draw. It, like it blew my mind and that was like in the fifth grade so then after that it was like yeah i wanted i wanted comics so bad but i just couldn't afford them until i realized oh i can go to the library like socialism you know hell it made yeah me a uh-huh. comic artist and yeah so that was like well i was going to community college sorry we'll get back to your story but i was going to community college and then i just started putting shit online and then once it got online like, I remember I wanted to be super faithful to people's, like, uh, costume, like, details and stuff when I first started doing stuff. I wanted to be super sort of, like, specific because I felt like a fraud, like, having read only, like, a certain amount of comics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I didn't grow up in that culture, so I felt like, well, I'll just try and draw what I think people want, which is, like, exactly what they see because most comic fans are like that. Around like what Batman, year is they this? Around to look what year like, is this? Um, like 2005, 2006. Okay. That's when you start Why? posting? That's when you started, like, uh, posting online? I didn't post till 2000. I didn't post till 2005 because I didn't have the internet mm-hmm. until I moved back. I, I, I went to high school in a different town than my parents lived in. Were I you, lived you, ever, on, place were you ever on DeviantArt? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'll get to that. Okay, sorry. So, like, I, I used to, like, in high school... I used to post, I, I used to draw in like this notebook and I would be like, okay, I want to draw fucking Ryu from Street Fighter, but I want to draw like my Ryu from, you know what I mean? Like I was like that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I, I left high school and all my friends, like I said, I grew up in a different town. Ta- I went to high school in a different town than my parents like lived in. Mm-hmm. So when I moved back then with my mom and my stepdad and like, I would, I would take like the bus from, cause like we moved to Stockton and actually like. My mom became a phlebotomist. She, like, had a big come up. My stepdad, like, got a job with the city, I think, at that point. I'm not sure. But, you know, they had money. They bought a house. And, like, we were going to move from, like, a tiny duplex in the middle of, like, a eh, decent neighborhood. Not great, but not bad. Mm -hmm. Into, like, a nice neighborhood where we were going to go to, like, a rich school. And I had real bad social anxiety, like I said, when I was younger. So I convinced my mom, like, can I just stay at my aunt's house? Because she moved into our old duplex. And then go to school there, and she's like, "Well, so you keep stayed in the house up." I just stayed at my aunt's house. Well, at first I would take the bus every day, and it fucking sucked because I had to get up at like five in the morning to go to school and be there like late, <laughs> you know, every day. And um, my mom 
my mom worked in town, so she would just pick me up on her way out from out from work or whatever. And then eventually, it was just like I would just stay at my aunt's house. But at first, we didn't want to be like a burden. I think whatever, whatever. So, yeah. But so like all my friends, they all went to fucking college, and they all like lived in Manteca, and I didn't drive. Because I didn't have a job because I was like going back and forth between two towns to go to high school like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And um, and so then after high school, like as soon as I graduated, I just realized like I have no fucking friends anymore. Like I don't have any. So then I was like, you know what? My mom has a computer. She has she has fucking cable internet. That time incredible. And so. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scan all my stuff into like this like little shitty scanner and just post it on you know DeviantArt, and I did that and I dropped like thirty drawings at once, and I remember one guy left one comment and I was like, like he's like, oh you know it's, it's good but it looks a little amateurish, and I like lost my mind like a flip switched and I went on his and I left comments on every single one of his fucking <laughs> uploads and was just like, uh this is fine. I don't like this anatomy. Uh, this one, <laughs> I was like total fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. Deviant art, art was uh, vendettas were formed. I I got into yeah. like uh, six, seven, eight comment uh, arguments. Somebody was like, so, somebody, yeah, no, straight up flames. Like uh, they they told me because I was really offended by how they uh, colored something. And and he was like, he was like, I don't go to the train station and tell you how to suck dick. Whoa. Yeah, no. It, it, That's crazy. Wait, that was me. That was that was definitely you. <laughs> no, I, I know. I, I, I was know like, it wait a minute. I that sounded familiar. I said that to you. It. <laughs> no, the guy. The guy was definitely much worse. Like not talented oh. at all. Whoa. Much, I think, much worse. That makes it sound like I'm bad. What the fuck? No, 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 no. How dare you, Daniel? What the fuck? Like you're about to get into another fucking flame war. I, I almost like I straight up. I could probably find this argument if I go and find my DeviantArt. You know what's sick, by the way? What is? First of all, I need that DeviantArt link because I need to see that art. But you know what was sick was I went to, like, after I got work at Marvel. I did go to my DeviantArt, and I did find that motherfucker. Because after, you know, we got into a flame war. 100%. Oh, and I uh-huh. found him, and I sent him a very nice note. And I was like, hey, I just want to let you know. Like, you know, I see that you're still making some art. That's really cool. Uh, I am too. And, you know, I always felt bad about this interaction that we had. I felt like I, I, you know, I was overly hostile. I was too sensitive. And, you know, anyways, I work for Marvel now. What are you up to? How are you doing? Are you okay? And Damn. I, it was like the... The meanest, well, was, sorry, not the meanest and pettiest thing I've ever done. No, that's I've, good. I have more that's stories. I have, I have more stories like that. I've got, I've gotten revenge a few times, but, but you know. No, that's yeah. I, I, I've been in the, I've been in the DVNR fucking, you know, going in on dudes mode for sure. Ah, I, I, the internet was different in two thousand five and two thousand six. Like you were in forums. Uh, that's where I, that's where I really kind of learned how to do shit. By the way, yes. was the forums that I was in. I I was kind of an anime kid, so I was reading oh, Shonen real? Jump. I was into Naruto. I was that kind oh, of shit. weeb. So I got into forums first through the like Naruto type forums, 
And then there I found like a community of artists and th that that's when I, I kind of like created my own forum just for artists. But like for the longest time, the, the things that I would do in my notebook, I would call it manga. Like I thought that I was drawing manga, right. but it's right, right. It, it, it's literally no different than comics. It, it, it read like left to I mean, right comics, like man manga is comics That's exactly those. exactly like I, I get really i get really frustrated actually when like i remember this editor put out a call that was like i'm looking for a black manga artist i'm like you're looking for a black comic artist yeah with like a japanese kind of style like you sound fucking weird right now saying you're looking for like i don't know like a japanese born like you some know, some manga ka you you want a manga cosplay from japan who is from african descent you sound, yeah, like, and, you know, she didn't know, because she was like, it's not like, you know. Yeah, they, they it's, call it's, it. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But it's, like, I had this argument with somebody where it's just like, it's just literally not, like, there is no such thing as a manga artist that's different from a comic artist. Mm -hmm. It's a comic artist that draws with, like, the aesthetics of, like, Japanese manga or whatever. But it's the same shit. And I, I always think it's funny that when you ask people, like, their favorite comic artist or whatever, they always will only list American people, even if they like you know, like Japanese manga yeah. shit. Like not me, obviously I'm more evolved <laughs> and I, and I would put gets, uh, I would put, a uh, uh, hero Taniguchi in my top seven, but whatever. No, no, I, I, that's just me. I, I completely being, understand. Being an intellectual, being like a real motherfucker. Uh, being, being a real one. Um, yeah. So I, I was always on the, on the manga end of the spectrum. Um, you were definitely on the spectrum. Yes, for manga. yes, for manga, <laughs> and uh, for the for the most part of uh, the comic books I published, I, I I called them manga up until like I started reading comics when I finally went to college and the town that I that I was studying in had a Borders, um, because mm, like that's so funny, dude. Sorry, go ahead. No, keep, it's keep just going. a lot of a lot of uh, Puerto Rican culture is is Americanized in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And well, like mm -hmm. why I say it's funny is when I, I didn't start again, like, you know, I go to the library, but I learned so much about comics by hanging out at a Barnes and Noble in my town. that was across the street from my community college. And I would just go over there and like read new shit. Yeah. Because the yeah. libraries didn't get them. They, they had the, and, they had the trade paperbacks of, of most cool things. And I would have to like step over the manga kids that were in the aisle and shit. Like, manga kids are the way. worst. I'm looking. They're the worst for Batman. I'm looking for Green Lantern. And they I'm looking. And it would be these emo kids who were like probably making out near the manga. Is that you? No, that wasn't me. <laughs> I was I was oh, an yeah. emo kid, but not I not when I was in Borders. I was strictly there for the comics. I was not an emo kid. I was in the new metal. Yeah, no, obviously. this is this is part of bridging the gap that we're trying to do here. I do you like My Chemical Romance? Listen, they saved my life. Oh my god! They... See, this is it. This is the divide. Yeah. I remember. How old are you, by the way? I'm 32. Just this week. Oh my god! I'm I'm 33. So we're literally just like a year apart. Yeah. But I feel like, uh, you know, a decade older than you because I came in. As My Chemical Romance just like bubbled up, and I was like, "Nope." <laughs> Me and my buddy, we were hanging out. I was I in a ate band that with my shit friend. I was in a band with my friend, and we were into like, listen, we were into real music. We were into Slipknot. We were into 
uh, Mushroomhead. We were into Mudvayne. We were into like Cold Chamber, real music. Uh, and then My Chemical Romance comes on Half of those names sound made, like, made up. What's up? Half of those names no, those sound made real. up. I was into I was no, no, into no. Foot Footstank. I was into no Head PE was a very real band. Okay. <laughs> Moto, I was into Moto, Cold Ice Picks. Ice Moto picks. Grinder was a very real band that we were into. Okay, Motor Grinder. Edema was a very, a very real band was Edema, and they were in. They were talking about real stuff. Il Nino, are you serious? Il they were on Nino? the Freddy vs Jason. Have you never heard El Nino? No. Oh my god! See, you don't know real music. We can, we can, <laughs> we can make peace. I feel like we can make peace at System of a Down. That was my first concert. That they are, they are my. It was them and Slipknot. It was a religious experience. They're they're part of my relig- my my political awakening. Like I was I was in middle school, being oh, like, sure. why they always send the poor or like um <laughs> like prison song like uh prison song for sure prison song basically I like th- ranting about the the prison system the industrial prison system and 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 war. I had no fucking yeah. idea what it what it actually meant, but I I definitely knew that I hated uh, the government. I guess if you asked me like in nineteen ninety nine, like what or like two thousand four, what's your political affiliation? I'd say it's like raids against the machine and system of a down. That's it. That's all yep. I understand. That's all I know. I, I and and I'm a maggot. I'm a I'm a registered maggot. Uh, official <clears throat> Slipknot maggot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I thought I was the badass when I was li- listening to like Linkin Park. See, like my household was See again, that was the year after. Yeah. The year beneath you... me where I was like I got a I got a my my Nina gave me a Linkin Park shirt. You guys do you guys have that like a Nina Nino? Uh, like a like, Godfather? Uh Padrino, but I didn't have one. Like in Okay, like uh, I grew up Catholic, right? Uh, but she, I like, so I would have this aunt who's like, not super close to me, but would always give me presents on, you know, Christmas, like X special. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I belong to her in some spiritual sense. Yeah, yeah. That, it, very, there's a, there's a connection. Sick. There's a beautiful connection there. Very beautiful. I, I you know what? Uh, she reads my Twitter and it's horrifying. <laughs> she might listen to this. Shout out to my Tia Angie, my Nina Angie. Uh, she owns, but she got me a. She got me a Linkin Park shirt when I was in the eighth grade for Christmas. She got me that and like a Harry Potter book because mm-hmm. uh, she thought this kid is smart, so he's gonna love Harry Potter. But I know he's edgy, so he must love Linkin Park too. That's <laughs> you know, I love the thought that must have went into that gift. It's so thoughtful, you know. Um, but I remember telling my mom like, I cannot wear a Linkin Park shirt, mom. Like I, you're gonna be the I least. Know, I felt terrible. Least cool kid in school. I felt terrible because I'm like, mom, like, you know, I don't want to be offensive, but like, I don't want to wear Lincoln Park shirt. And she was like, no, just ask her. She doesn't, she doesn't know who the fuck Lincoln Park is. <laughs> like, she just bought you a shirt. So she, uh, I returned it and I got a Slipknot shirt. My first Slipknot shirt. And that was like in the eighth grade. Uh, it was like 90, 2000, 2001, something like that. So I was, I was deep in the wool maggot and... I thought Lincoln Park was just for posers. For babies. And now I'm doing for a seventh grade babies. Yeah, for seventh grade babies. I liked I liked the first song. And now I like Lincoln Park. Now they're fine. I like the first album. Is whatever. it is it but, illegal to not like Lincoln Park now because it's tragic? 
I like all the parts that Chester Bennington doesn't sing, frankly. Yeah, no, that's that's. I like the. I'm in it. I'm in it for the rapping. I was always in it for Mike Shinoda. Like he was. I was always a Mike Shinoda. He guy. was the guy. I and and there was kind of this current from Mike Shinoda to me, sort of like closet liking a, a weeb, like closet liking oh, hip hop. And also, oh my God. and also like Gundam, like weeb shit. That's how definitely. you got your five percent concentration of will. Yeah. Yes. Six <laughs> percent struggle, seven percent pain, something like that. I don't remember the the mathematics of it. I, I don't know. I went through a lot of musical phases, but I was definitely uh, uh, an emo kid. Maybe it was like part part of it was just the girls I liked and wanting to. Oh, totally. Wanting to hang out with them, but I was I was also yeah. just a sad boy. I was generally depressed about most things. I was constantly having crushes yeah. and those crushes never always liking the actually cute guy and yeah, just yeah. me being in a corner trying to impress them with like drawings of superheroes, I guess. Like it's I was in the same thing except for I was so edgy about it. I was just an edge lord about it. No. Where it's I like, was just sad. I wanted to impress her, but it was not a superhero. It would be like fucking a slipknot guy or like, you know, fucking something creepy as fuck. Like there were there just weren't any in traumatized girls that would be really into the, the the slipknot guys. I'm sure there were, but not like I so like again, like I chased the girls that were like very intellectual or whatever and so they weren't <laughs> yeah they you know what i mean I, I i had i had this girl who who drew really well and i'm the and that will immediately sink me like a a, a girl that's really talented and my mm-hmm. it wasn't like a pickup line but like i was in seventh grade and i was like oh you draw and she's like yeah and i'm like <laughs> we should be rivals like <laughs> whoa for real that's what you said yeah yeah i thought that what the because fuck? i was all into like that anime shit and you just had to have a rival and what did she say was uh, she, like, she immediately uh, called me like a okay. dumb idiot and never talked to me again and uh, so i i loved her for years well in, in a sense she was a rival then she decided yes yes <laughs> we will it went this. exactly it like, like the animes she immediately called yeah. me an idiot and destroyed me you met you. You met your eyes went really big, and you were like, "Ah!" I was de- yes. I was destroyed. my only context for it is Pokemon. That was the only anime I had watched for the longest time. Yeah, I my my first comic is essentially me trying to do Card Captors Sakura, as mm. but it was me, which is a little bit a little bit sketchy, a little bit question- questionable. Sick. But the thing is, I I would try. I would be drawing this comic and I had no idea like I had to write spells on the go panel to panel and I'd be like (laughs) ah fucking fire that's hot burn the floor shit like that it was really bad but it it was very like I got four notebooks out of that it was it was epic I I'm see I never finished anything I would start a comic and I would be like maybe my first comic uh, was called like it was like me trying to do like Sin City like if I was in Sin City there was this guy who wore like a pit <laughs> you're mask so edgy and, like, damn hookers yeah dude l- like literally too edgy at that time it was all drawn in sharpie it looked like a psycho <laughs> I still have it it's, it's pretty good um, I, I would like, love to Frank read Miller it Frank Miller was huge I was like I just want to be Frank Miller um, 
yeah, there's some crazy shots in it. Um, but anyways, uh, we're getting kind of... Yeah, we're lost in our we childhoods. We're really lost in our childhoods. But um, I, I wanted to say, because um, we should probably start wrapping it up. Um, we can keep talking after this. I would say like we should wrap this show up. Yeah, no, I, I, I think before we unlock any more emotional traumas. Yeah, no, this therapy session has been has been <laughs> cathartic. Um, yeah. So first of all, thank you for listening. If you're listening to this, it's our first episode. We we I haven't recorded a podcast. I used to host one, but I didn't record in a long time. And Danny, you've never done one. I've I'm just naturally charismatic. This is just how I talk all the time. You are naturally charismatic. So am I. I feel like that's why we're. This is going to be so fucking good. This is as soon um, as we like rev up the engines, we heat up, get some momentum. We sputtered at first, and then after like five minutes, we we're like good to go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. You can follow Daniel on Twitter. It's just boring ass my name. Daniel Irizarry dot Twitter dot biz. Uh, and me at Ramon Villas. You have anything else that like your Instagram or anything? Uh, same. It's just my name. Uh, but yeah, hit us up. And we have easy to spell and pronounce names, so there's no problem there. Yeah, nobody. Everybody knows um, how to spell Irizarry. Everybody knows how to spell Villalobos. It's no problem. And uh, one last thing is, I know when we talked about doing this. Um, one of the big reasons why I wanted to start it, and again, like, just to, to talk about the format of the show real quick, uh, every episode we want to, like, try and talk about, like, different topics, so, like, we can come in and kind of, like, today we just talked about ourselves, but in a different episode we'll talk about, you know, Comicsgate and, like, the right-wing sort of fascist movement in comics that was, like, very big, and, like, you know, one time we could talk about, like, you know, just Superman in general, we'll just talk about Superman or whatever, we could do that and every episode can sort of be themed that way it's like a conversation with people about comics not always going to be about the news not always going to be us ranting about politics sometimes maybe um and we want to try and get different voices on from different marginalized communities from around the world that's why i thought it would be so great to do with you daniels because you're from puerto rico and i know a lot of people that are going to listen to this probably from the states but we want to try and bridge you know sort of internationalist leftist sort of uh communities because in comics there really isn't that yeah let's get some you know, solidarity in here. exactly and in comicsgate you know all these dudes like there's a network and there is nothing like that for people who are identify as leftist in comics and i want to be able to have a space where we can discuss that so if you're listening to this you know, feel free to hit us up if you want to be on the show, if there's something you want to talk about at some point. Uh, we have guests that we know that we want to talk to already. So, well, I, 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 the idea, beautiful idea is I talk to fucking all kinds of people. You know, if you write about stuff, you have a blog, if you have a comic that you want to talk about, um, hot takes or whatever. Like, I want it to, to be a space where we can do that. And I want to, you know, uh, you know, a big part of it is one of the people who was an online leftist that I really loved, this dude, Michael Brooks, um, he passed away earlier this year. Rest um, in peace to a king. Suddenly, yeah, rest in peace to Michael Brooks. And he really wanted to, like, sort of build communities for leftists and, like, 
that seemed to be like a big mission of his and you know we chatted a couple times actually like just uh, in dms and everything it really meant a lot to me and i just kind of want to carry that on and like when he passed away it it really made me think about starting something to sort of create community for people like us like you said solidarity amen amen brother are are we are we allowed to say amen brother uh, I think we owe Aubrey seven seven dollars for that on Men Brothers. So. I did a pin up. I did a pin up for free. I get to say it. <laughs> I told him I would do one for free if he gave me some like dirt on some drama or something. So I owe him one. That's like you just paid that off. I I can't say. All right, it you can't say I it. I'm indebted. Um, but anyways. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, Daniel, this has been great. Let's do it again. I'm really excited to do this again for real. Me too. It's fucking fun. And just to sort of uh, give you a preview of what we have coming up, I know we want to talk to our boy Big Gleb himself. Big Gleb is coming on the pod. The Bell Russian cyborg is coming. Um, I'm nervous just thinking about it. He wants to talk about uh, All-Star Batman and Robin, so we're going to talk about it. (laughs) I am. Um, I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. So, anyways, that's what we got coming up. Thanks for listening. Sorry we went so long. The next ones hopefully won't be so long. But if you're still listening, thanks so much. Bye-bye.